Chapter 8 of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Betty's Carte de Visite. That night, or rather it was about 2 a.m., when all the little household slept, Mr. Van Zant, who had made not even a feint of lying down, put on his raglan and hat and went out into the street, merely to step up to the corner and around it a few paces further to where the two big horse-chestnut trees were casting their gaunt winter shadows across the moonlit sidewalk. Up the stoop of Mrs. Van Zant's half of the house, the key he had never ceased to carry in his pocket, out and fitted to the latch. The door pushed softly back and closed, the master within the precinct of the mistress. He stood still, his glance going first to the archway and its curtains behind which he supposed the brick wall to have been built all those years ago, then to the staircase, the clock ticking on, the niche with the statue of Ceres in it, the landing where she had stood. She had been there. Not a dozen hours since, Betty, his wife, had come down where he was now going up, for Peter went up to the second floor where the flood of radiance from the open doors of Mrs. Van Zant's rooms greeted him. He halted in the wide hall and leaned at her threshold. He did not enter. His eyes took in all the old, familiar, sweet things she had used, the chair that was her favorite, the vases from Nankeen that were her pleasure, the silver candlesticks on her dressing-table, the trinkets, the hand-mirrors, the pictures, the Christmas wreaths, the mahogany bedstead with its tall carved headboard close to the door, its down quilt a little disturbed, a pillow to one side, something just projecting from under the pillow. A card. Could Betty have left another message? His hand shook as he reached in and drew the scrap from under the pillow, for Peter Van Zant did not cross the sill of that room. It was a little carte de visite as the photographs of that day were called. And it was, yes, it was Betty. Changed? Not so much. Older? Not an hour, but most serene. Her smiles just at the corner of her mouth. Yes, Betty. And yet no, not quite entirely. Perhaps it was the style of the dress. Seventeen years makes differences in a woman's gown. This Betty wore a short skirt with some arrangement looping in on the hips called, he believed, panniers, and a sash of fur with hanging sleeves, a cap of fur on top of her curly head. Peter turned it over. To be sure, if he needed confirmation, there it was, in Betty's own handwriting. Betty Van Zant, Limoges, October 16th, 1800 taken only about two months ago. He slipped it into his pocket, turned around, went down, and went out, cautiously as a thief in the night, around into his own portion of the old house. When Betty reached Limoges, no one was at the station to meet her, because no one at the chateau knew that she was to arrive. When she got to the chateau, driving up in a sleigh and great jingling of bells and calls of the driver who rode the smallest of his lean beasts, the one was at the step to welcome her 
with such a wealth of warmth as made her coming back a joy by and by when these two were alone together in the long salon for the colonel had much business down in the city at the consulate of course betty was told a story by the one of course a story as sweet as tender as full of happiness hope as had been the story peter van zant had told her more than seventeen years before and betty listened yes she listened and the comfort and pleasure of that which the one told her was inexpressibly grateful not as had been the comfort of peter's story but as the later shadow of that first eden yes betty listened and was content while betty in limoges was listening to all the one had to tell her day in and day out night in and night out peter van zant was in india two days only after his odd stealthy visit to mrs van zant's side of the double house the master had left there seemed a fatal kind of unrest on him he could not stop in any land long it was india then china russia down into france ah yes into france in paris he met some people he knew a few men one of them said you remember ashley yes i do remember ashley the first secretary of the english embassy years ago exactly i ran against him here the other day he asked about you did he a comfortable british husband by this time i suppose not in the least en route to limoges i think yes limoges to marry he said the most beautiful woman in the world who peter's heart throbbed could one ask my dear boy when a chap talks like that you know this man laughed they shook hands and parted peter went into a cafe and surreptitiously took out the carte de visite of betty and looked at it but betty could not marry of course not what a fool he was but she might there might have been some sort of way by which she had freed herself ashley had wanted to marry betty he knew that he would go at once to limoges no he would do nothing of the kind instead he went to south africa deep in the mines and digged and sweated and became grimy and at eventide frantic with the unspent forces that even the spade and the pickaxe and the shovel could not seem to exhaust he would lie down under the stars and awake soaked with the damps and let the sun make him dry and rise up again to eat coarsely drink deeply and fall down again at twilight like the beasts for all the sake of a woman then at the end of six years he got a better hold of himself and washed and threshed his soul and put on the harness of civilization and got back to england he stopped there a twelvemonth and each thirty-one days found peter van zant more in the power of the memory of betty his wife than the preceding thirty-one he met ashley and his wife a charming french girl and dined with them but the close of the seventh year fetched him back to the united states to the old double house his father had so wisely built what was it that urged him a jealous rage a fierce pang at his heart 
the perhaps belated strangest phase of that which we call love not the petty envying of any praise or worship she might have won from other men but the insatiable desire to pit his worship against that of all the other men in the world and so to win her over again this was the goad that lashed peter's soul and sent him home to america mrs van zandt had never returned the faithful servants were as they had been quite as if only yesterday the young master had gone away and over in limoges the chateau was for rent there had to be a new consul-general while the shepherd sang on the hillsides a song of the early autumn while the lily fields were still white and the poplars whispered to the wind while the evergreen's dream was of christmas and while the sabbats clicked on the paths when the harvest was being gathered and when the grapes were in the press betty with strange difficult new stirrings in her woman's heart drew all that belonged to her about her and set sail again from france for new york End of chapter 8